Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hello, Crossing Church. How are you doing this fine day? Are you doing good? It is good to be in the house of the Lord with the people of the Lord studying the word of the Lord crying out to our Lord, and He is faithful, and He is definitely worthy. I want to thank everyone that's joining us from all across our locations, and if you're online, we're thankful for each and every one of you as we've gone through this series together, 27 weeks, 27 books of the New Testament. You know, when we started this series in May, the beginning of May, Uh, We were already seven weeks into this pandemic of COVID-19. And I had hoped that by this time we would have a cure, we would have a vaccine, that 27 weeks would have been enough, and we're not there yet. But there's been a lot of new understanding, hasn't there? A lot that we've learned. And with it, we have this entirely new vocabulary, don't we? We never used these words or phrases before, but now we use them all the time, like social distancing, like flattening the curve, like herd immunity or contact tracing. Never heard of lockdowns or seven-day positivity rates or people who were asymptomatic or super spreader events. The pandemic became a tipping point a tipping point for social issues, for racial issues, for police issues, for government issues, for election issues. We learned about the power of governors in various states and how that rates with constitutional rights. We've seen violence in the streets. We've seen police brutality. We've seen the vulnerability of seniors. We've seen the tenuous nature of our jobs and careers. And we've seen the deep, deep dissensions in our society. 2020 has put a lot of mileage on all of us, amen? It has. But you know what we've also seen? We've seen the very best in people. Many have tried to lean in with grace and with understanding. We've given out food. We've come together alongside of our communities and schools and tried to our very best to keep one another safe and keep one another healthy. We've communicated with loved ones through plate glass windows or on FaceTime or Zoom. We have seen first responders risk literally everything to make a difference. In this local community, I've been so impressed with our health department, with our school superintendent, and with our local government. We have had the opportunity to show the love of Jesus when it really, really matters. We haven't had at the crossing, haven't had to lay off a single staff member. Do you know why? Because God has provided. And all I can say is in the midst of this pandemic, God is so good, so good. 
Many of us have gotten used to new ways of coping, haven't we? We're wearing masks. We're working from home. We are home educating our children. We're having telehealth visits. We're shopping online. We're having our groceries delivered to our homes. We've eliminated going out to restaurants. We're missing out on many sports. And just like you, just like you, I wish this were over, but it's not. And you know, as I look forward into the future, like you do, I imagine there's some more surprises coming, more challenges coming, but also more opportunities to reflect the love of Jesus in particularly difficult times. So what have we learned in this series from God's word to help us cope as we've journeyed through the New Testament? We've learned that by the example of these biblical characters, it could certainly be a lot worse. Amen? Amen. We've learned that God always has and always will provide for his people. We've also learned that our challenges actually provide opportunities to show Jesus and to share Jesus. We've learned that eventually it'll pass And you know, when it does, we really need to have something to show for it. That all these circumstances really are an expression of a much deeper problem that's been with us a lot longer than this particular virus. And it's that that brings me to the last book in this series, the book of Revelation. There's obviously far, far too much in this book to contain in a single sermon. That would be crazy. But there is something here that in this moment in time, we absolutely desperately need to see. The whole book revolves around a single scene in heaven where a scroll sealed with seven seals needs to be read. It's in Revelation chapter 5. This is it, the whole chapter. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and to look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, 
the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Wow. What an incredible scene. You know, there are some phrases in that chapter that come right off the page to me. Maybe they do to you. Here's the first one. No one was worthy. No one was worthy. Why was no one worthy? Well, there's an answer to that. It's because sin had entered the world. We read about that all the way back in the book of Genesis. There's a lot of speculation among scholars about what was written on that scroll that has writing on the inside and out and is sealed with seven seals. But I believe that the answer to what is written on that scroll is actually contained within the book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 20. I believe that what he's holding is the Lamb's book of life. Do you know what that is, the Lamb's book of life? It's the name of every person that was ever purchased by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And if you have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus, your name, your name is written on that scroll. You see, that is how your sin and their sin was paid for. And it goes back to the first tree in the story. I'm going to talk about three trees, but I want to begin with the first tree in the story. And we read about that first tree in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. And this is what it says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man... You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Why would God put a tree like that in this beautiful garden? 
I can answer that question because that tree and the fruit of that tree represented a choice, a single choice, choice to either be obedient to God or to not be obedient to God, to love God more than the fruit of that tree or less than the fruit of that tree. You know, the tree of life was there too, but there was no law against eating of its fruit. Why would God put a tree that represented a choice in the garden? It's because we were created in the image of God. That's what it says in Genesis. We were created, listen, not only to be loved by God, but to love him in return. You hear that? We were created by God, not just to be loved by him, an object of love, but to love him in return. And love is always a choice. You can't be forced to do that. You have to choose to do that. And the tree represented that choice to choose to love God. And this is what was chosen. We read about it in Genesis chapter 3, starting in the second half of verse 1 to 7. He said, this is the, the serpent, Satan. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat it from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat uh, fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Here comes the lie. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This was our great moment of loss. And now, in that moment, all the way to this moment, this moment right now, we have a real problem. We have a sickness, a sickness that requires a cure, but we have no cure. We have no cure for it. And the only way, the only way to cure us is a price that needs to be paid, a blood sacrifice, a perfect blood sacrifice, a perfect and innocent blood sacrifice. A great loss would require an even greater price. And that's the lesson from the first tree. The second phrase that jumps off of the pages of Revelation 5 to me is this phrase. Do not weep. Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Triumphed. Triumphed because there was a second tree. Now this tree different from the first tree because this tree had been cut down and it had been fashioned 
by man into an instrument of torture and death. It wasn't planted, but it was pushed down into the earth and it was used to fix a man to it with nails. John chapter 19, starting in verse 16, we read that finally Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus and carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him. And with him, two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. When we go back to Revelation 5, this is what the angels in heaven were singing about. That you bought us all with your blood. Jesus paid it all. All to him I, I owe. This horrible cost for all the sin of the world was paid, and not just paid, but paid in full on that second tree. And in doing that, Jesus claimed authority for salvation for every person who asks for it, fixing their name onto that scroll and writing it in his own blood. That second tree makes all the difference and prepares those who receive Jesus for a great healing, a great healing. The third phrase that jumps off the page to me is this one, and they will reign, and they will reign. You see, this is what it was all meant for. A great healing is taking place. Now, you know what healing is, right? We all know what healing is. Healing is what happens when things go back to how they used to be before the sickness or before the injury, right? That's what healing is. And you have to go back to that first tree to realize when that sickness began and when that healing was required, when that injury first occurred. We need to be healed from that. We need to go back to where we were before all of this, before sin, before the curse came to us. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 to 5, it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Listen to this. And down the middle of the great street of the city and on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit and yielding its fruit every month listen to this sentence right here and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations oh that's what we need we need healing we need a cure and the leaves of this tree are designed for healing. Listen to the rest of it. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him and they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And there'll be no more night. They don't need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light. 
And they will reign. They will reign. They will reign forever and ever. What an incredible picture of what God is planning. Not only do we see the tree of life once again, but we read about its leaves and the healing that those leaves produce. Listen to me. There will eventually be a cure for COVID-19. You know that, don't you? And life will go on. We've had pandemics before. And eventually, we know that things will return to normal. Or at least what we perceive as normal. But there is a sickness. There's a sickness both in us and all around us that will not go away. At least it won't go away until God finishes his work and Jesus comes back for his bride. And here is what will happen. Do you want to hear that? Revelation 21 verses 3 and 4 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Oh, listen, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. How many want to see that happen? How many are looking forward for that to happen? You know what? You know what I love hearing when I read that? I love hearing that word, those two words, no more. No more. No more. Have you a list? Do you have a list? Do you have a no more list? Huh. No more calories. How about that one? No more calorie counting. Amen. Amen. No more trips to the DMV. Oh, praise God for that. No more school board meetings. Some of you are liking that. No more property taxes. Oh, yeah. No more dating. Some of you are going, oh, thank you. No more exercise. No more dieting. No more wanting what your neighbors have that you don't. No more Cubs or Cardinals, or at least Cubs. Sorry. Sorry. No more dirty laundry. No more self-checkout lines at Walmart. No more New England Patriots. Amen. <laughs> no more home improvements. No more metric system. <laughs> no more crying babies in the middle of the night. No more flat tires. No more common core. No more checkbook balancing. No more hair care. Some of you are going, well, yeah, well, there's no more hair care right now in my life. No more grooming. Yeah, some of you don't have it. Yeah. No more buffets. Well, maybe buffets. No more dog poop on your shoe. No more skinny jeans. Can I get an amen? No more man buns. Can I get another amen? 
No, no more LeBron versus MJ debates because it's not really a debate, is it? Michael Jordan wins. No more, no more, no more flu shots. No more traffic. No more college visits. No more heartburn. No more headaches. No more stock price fluctuations. No more mowing the lawn. No more doing dishes. No more traveling baseball, parents. No more dance recitals, more parents. No more karate classes, more parents. No more mortgage payment. No more rent payment. No more house payment. No more car payment. Mm. No more paper cuts. No more blisters. No more stubbed toes in the middle of the night. No more pulled hammies. No more Charlie horses. No more social media. Can I get an amen? No more Super Bowl. Well, maybe. No more World Series. Well, maybe. No more NBA Finals. No more March Madness. No more Olympics. No more sweating. No more, no more politics. No more tiny caskets. Mm. No more oncologist appointments. No more orphanages because everyone's been adopted. No more funeral homes. No more baptisms because that time is now. No more opportunities to share our faith because all those opportunities have come and gone. No more discipleship because I know fully even as I'm fully known. No more leading your family in prayer because you can just go before the throne. No more teaching your kids because they know it. No more sin. No more temptation. No more addiction. No more walkers and wheelchairs, and hearing aids and glasses and pacemakers and knee replacements. Amen? Amen? There's no more denominations. There's no more COVID-19. There's no more sex trafficking. There's no more Alzheimer's or suicide or cancer. There's no more death. There's no more disease. There's no more loss. There's no more worry, and there's no more dishonesty. Church, there's no more broken promises. There's no more getting left out, feeling less than. There's no feeling this racism, having separation because of the color of your skin or the language that you speak. Those are all no more when we get on that side of heaven. When we're in the presence of God, there are no more. My hope and my heart breaks. And this church exists to make sure that everyone in this room, your name is not on that list of no mores. That the people you love, your family, your friends, your coworkers, that their names are not on that list. And the way you secure that, 
you're listening in this room, you're, you're, you're watching online right now, the way you secure that, that your name is on the no, that's not on the no more list is by saying yes to Jesus and no to yourself. Saying yes to Jesus and no to your personal desires and your wants. That you turn to him. You realize tonight, right now, you are not worthy. I am not worthy. I have sin in my life. And guess what? We need a savior. When we say yes to Jesus, church, God makes you new. It says it right there in Revelation 21 that he is in the business of making all things new. And right after this no more, if you go down a little further in Revelation 21, God says, I will be their God and they will be my children. Can you claim that right now? Can you claim that you are his child right now? Can you honestly say, I am his child? Whether you're watching or you're online, can you claim that? Have you started that intimate personal relationship with Jesus? And if you haven't, listen, I wanna call you to it right now. The moment is now. I'm telling you, the time is, is now, tonight, this moment. And I wanna invite you, if you've not started that intimate personal relationship with Jesus, don't let it pass by you. Every single week we offer this moment, this, this time of decision to come forward. And there's gonna be people on both sides and they would love to help walk you through what that looks like to say yes to Jesus and say no to yourself. They'll help walk you through what that relationship with Jesus looks like to guarantee, listen, to guarantee that we spend eternity with the no mores. That's a call for those of you who've not made that decision. But for believers, listen, I know, man, I know, there's tons of amazing stories in this room. For those who have claimed Jesus, who have that intimate personal relationship with Jesus, you've been obedient in the area of baptism. I bet as you heard some of that list, although some of them were really, I mean, yeah, I can't wait till there's no more of that. You probably felt burdened by some of those things because you're like, I'm experiencing that, I'm experiencing that. Tonight I carried this in the door, I carried that in the door. And you're carrying these heavy burdens, they're weighing you down right now. They're drowning you down, they're drowning you out. I wanna invite you tonight, listen church, tonight, if you're in this room, would you just have the courage, would you have the boldness to come forward, to get down on your knees and just have a real conversation with God and let him do what he does, takes it from you and he carries that burden. That you don't carry that back to your seat or out to your car or back to your workplace. You leave it where it belongs and that's with him. Would you humble yourself tonight before him? Would you humble yourself before him? But I know for some of you, the biggest burden that you might be feeling is that person or those people that you know, they're not, their destination doesn't look the same as yours. 
So my challenge to you with the way that you respond is by you coming forward, maybe just with their name and you're just offering them to the Lord at his feet and just saying, God, I don't know how, I, don't, I just know my heart breaks for them. Will you help me? Would you soften their heart? Would you create opportunities? Would you place more people around them? Would you give me strength to just be bold enough to tell them about Jesus? God, he just wants to have a conversation with you. And my greatest prayer, church, Christians, people who believe in Jesus is that we would just not stay where we're at, that we'd humble ourselves, we'd come in that contact with the Father and we'd just have a real conversation with him. We would respond tonight, there's work to do. I want you to consider that while you stand up with me and we're gonna pray together and we're gonna worship. Father God, I look forward I look forward to not being around those no mores anymore. Jesus, I, I thank you for being the perfect sacrifice, for going on that tree for me. I, you know, and I know I'm not worthy and I need you more and more every single day. God, I pray that you just continue to just move in the hearts of the people in this room. I pray for just boldness and courage for that one person who is just, they're feeling a tug on their heart. They're, they're hearing you talk straight to them. They're not hearing my voice. They're not hearing Jerry's voice, but they're saying, they hear a voice saying, it, it's you, it's your time. God, would you just continue to move in them and, and give them the courage to move forward and respond. And God, I pray for those who are just carrying heavy burdens right now. They're carrying heavy burdens right now. Would you allow them to just bring them forward to you and lay them at your feet? God, I just pray. You continue to move and you'd help us respond in this moment. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.